The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It's time to find out the stories behind the stories. Welcome to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective. Get ready for some amazing guests, along with Nick's own expertise and insight behind some of today's top news in sports. The where, why, and how. Now, here's your host, Nick Ferguson. Secondary perspective right here on a Thursday. And what I want to do before I jump in the show, do we, got, do we have that soundbite available? If we do have that soundbite available, uh, please play that for me, if you will. We have given this issue much thought and consideration since last Friday. We have decided that the appropriate course of action for the organization and for Adrian is to put them on the exempt list until the legal proceedings are complete. We made a mistake, and we needed to get this right. We embrace our role in the community and the responsibilities that go with it. It is important to always listen to our fans, the community, and our sponsors. Our goal is to always make the decision we feel is right for the Minnesota Vikings. And to be clear, we have a strong stance regarding the protection and welfare of children. And we want to be sure we get this right. You know, that, that's the voice of management ownership of the Minnesota Vikings coming a couple of days after both uh, Rick Spillman and head coach Mike Zimmer had what they have to say. We'll play for that audio for you later. But I don't know about you guys. And I don't know about you, Mario. But for me, it's been a long week and a half of excuses and, you know, I'm sorry. We made mistakes. And the way I look at the situation is, why don't everyone just kind of pull back for a second? Let's not react to uh, reactions and do our due diligence, find out what we need to find out before we come out and make statements that we would therefore, or actions that we will will have to recant on and make apologies because that's the worst thing to say, I'm sorry, my bad, I made a mistake. We've seen that take place with uh, the commissioner, now the ownership with the Minnesota Vikings after stating, after stating that Adrian would play this Sunday. Mario, before you 
you jump in. I want to see, guys, if we get that second audio available, let's go ahead and play that uh, audio which took place uh, earlier before the ownership came out with uh, the GM, Rick Spillman, if we have it. Adrian will be active for this weekend's game, but we will continue to monitor the situation and make the decision we feel is best for this organization and all parties going forward. It was an ownership decision. I mean, they took all the they took all the advice in there and then went from there. But we, as an organization, we decide what uh, we feel is is the right thing in all all these issues. And um, so, I don't know how much input I had to be honest with you. I mean, I, obviously, most people in this room know me and know I'm going to say my opinion all the time. That, that's Rick Spillman and head coach Mike Zimmer uh, talking about the whole Adrian Peterson situation. And like I said, uh, he was going to play this Sunday until uh, the ownership decided, hey, listen, there, there's enough going on in the league as it is, and Roger Goodell is taking a lot of heat. We don't want to jump into that, especially after sponsors got involved in Redison and said that they're going to pull back. And, and a lot of other sponsors have now forced the NFL owners and Roger Goodell to reevaluate how they handle these situations and, and looking at the overall outlook of the players themselves. With that, I bring in my co-host, Mario Batanza. You can find him at Mile High Mario. Mario, I, I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I'm kind of floored by this. You know, you, you come out and you say one thing, and then uh, two or three days later, you, you're changing, you know, your mind state, your punishment. You're changing something, and you're apologizing. You know, what's your, what's your take on this? Man, it's let me just say, when we were talking last week and, you know, I was all fired up, it only got worse from there, Nick. I mean, we're, we're in that situation last week where we're talking about things that we wish hadn't happened. And, you know, it's so difficult to be a fan of the NFL right now and even like sports in general, because it's not just the NFL where, you know, all of this nonsense is going on. But I feel like the best thing that can happen is for everybody to be more proactive and less reactive. And that's been the issue, Nick. After everything that's happened with Ray Rice, Jonathan Dwyer, Greg Hardy, Adrian Peterson, it has all been reactive. So now that we have been reactive, what are we going to do now to be proactive? How are we going to stop stuff like this from happening? And I'll tell you what, Nick, the floodgates are opening because when one brick falls, they all start to fall. And that's what we've seen. I mean, all of the last several years, you know, for a very long time, Nothing at all happened with domestic violence, with possible child abuse, with any of that. But now that one card fell, the whole house is coming down. And I just hope that at some point, Nick, hopefully sooner rather than later, we can get back to watching football just for football's sake. I'm sick of turning on ESPN, the four-letter network. I'm sick of, you know, looking online and trying to read about sports, and this is all we're hearing about. So, honestly, I don't know how you fix something like this. This is just an inherent problem with guys in the NFL. And the way that they handled the situation with Adrian Peterson, uh, it was just one of those things, like, they felt like they had to do. You know, they, they slapped him on the wrist, and they said, you're not playing next week. They found out the severity, it was kind of the uproar, and they changed, and now they're like, well, now you need to figure out your issues. But if it's up to the Minnesota Vikings, up to the team, do you really think that they want their star player on the sideline, Nick? 
honestly, it's gotten to the point where this is such a competitive business, you know, and if you go seven and nine, when you're supposed to go nine and seven, Nick, you as a coach can get fired. So if the difference between those two games is having a guy play, even though he hit his kid with a switch or maybe beat his wife, you want to try and do everything to keep that guy on the field, right? Wrong. That's the wrong mindset. But that's the nature of the beast. That's the business that they're in. They're in the business of winning. So if a guy, you know, like a Greg Hardy, who throws his girlfriend or his wife or whatever she was on a bed full of guns, do you really want to keep that guy around just because he helps you win? There's always going to be two sides. But you need to look at it from the humanistic standpoint. That's what we don't do. We put these guys up on a pedestal because we see them in our TV every Sunday or Thursday or whenever. And we need to knock them down. We need to realize they're human beings. They need to atone for their actions. And they need to be held responsible. Well, you know what? I mean, both Greg Hardy and Adrian Peterson was, were put on the NFL exam. Listen, you listen to Nick Ferguson, secondary perspective on Voice America. You can get into the conversation, 888-346-9144. I mean, to be placed on that list, that means the commissioner himself, not a team, not an owner, he has to do it. So knowing as though the commissioner was taking a lot of heat from the Ray Rice situation, I'm sure they got together with the Minnesota Viking organization to say, listen, we need to find a way to nip this in the butt. I mean, sponsors are coming out. They're saying, you know, hey, NFL needs to take control of this situation. We're looking at it very closely. And to put these guys on that list, it saves them, especially you thinking about the Minnesota Vikings. Here is a mainstay in your, your team, your organization, the city, that in Adrian Peterson. The Vikings are building a stadium right now. They need to sell out those seats. So if you don't put him on this exempt list and they were to cut him or sever ties with him like the Ravens did with Ray Rice, that means potentially he could go to another team. There's already already have been talks about some alleged tampering between Jerry Jones and Adrian Peterson. And I'm sure Jerry would love to have Adrian Peterson in the Dallas Cowboy uniform. But they're not going to do anything like that. That's why they've been placed on this list. It is It is rather... Uh, interesting that we've seen all these things happen in the past two and a half weeks from athlete to athlete to athlete. But I still will stick with this, Mario. Not every athlete are the athletes that we're seeing right now. Not every guy's not, not every guy's is bad. I mean, you've seen guys come to your dad's office. You, you've gone out with guys. Every guy in the NFL doesn't have really have these issues or not creating these issues on the outside. But but I'll I'll, I'll tell you this. When I saw that the NFL was trying to do something, and I commend them for it, trying to go out and get a female, put a female panel together, uh, someone to handle things from a social media standpoint, if you will, to implement policy, to educate individuals, I applaud that. Some may say it's a tad bit too late to do that. But, but see, that's, think- that's the thing, Nick. In my opinion, that's what I was talking about. That is reactionary. I don't know how proactive that is. Maybe it's proactive getting a woman involved, but that just seems like now they're trying to cover their tracks. And so hopefully they did it for the right reason. But but here's the thing with that. Even with that, even though you're putting four women on this panel to figure out this whole domestic violence thing, to me, the way I look at it, they need to add a, a guy in that equation. They need to add a guy in it. And here's why. When you look at what domestic violence is, it is a situation that takes place between man and woman, right? So wouldn't it be fair to have someone from a male point of view 
to, so they can have this dialogue, but to take it a step further. And here's my suggestion, and you chime in and tell me what you think as well. Take those four women, put that policy together, but don't just put the policy together so the guys can read it. Educate them. Have a little symposium of a sort in the offseason. Have these guys dedicate whatever uh, two weeks, call it a symposium, call it a workshop, call it whatever you want to. But have these guys there, run them through these programs. Hey, and also bring your significant other. If you're a guy that have two girlfriends, hey, you got to choose which one you bring in with you. <laughs> but, but, but the thing is, we need to educate both the male and the female that are involved in these type of altercations so we can even this thing out. Okay, so, so we can kind of solve it because right now, it is in total disarray, and I'll tell you this and give you a little person my story, and I don't mind doing that. I've seen domestic violence in my own household. I've seen it happen with uh, you know, other women in my family. I, I have, and I've talked about it before, that I have too been you know, involved with domestic violence. That's happened to me. Right. You know? But I, I didn't react, but early on I want to touch on something. You mentioned a guy that I, that I know. Uh, Jonathan Dwight played running back at Georgia Tech, uh, who's now find himself at the mercy of this domestic violence uh, situation. Uh, some incidents that started or happened or occurred in the month of July are now coming back right now. I talked to someone I, I know really well, and I will not say their name, but what they said to me, they're wondering, why now? Why now? If something happened in July. Why is it now coming? to fruition at this particular point in the height of the conversation about domestic violence. I don't know, but I'll say this. When I was a kid, I was disciplined, you know, and sometimes whatever you, your parents, whatever, get their hands on, that was the instrument to, to discipline the kid. There's a great article, and I'm going to put it on Twitter in a moment, uh, and I encourage you to, uh, Mario, to go out and read it. Uh, it's in the New York Times, written by Michael uh, Eric Dyson, professor of sociology at Georgetown. And the article talks about the situation with Adrian Peterson. What are, where did it spawn from? Uh, why is it prevalent in the community? And it's not just in the, black, in the African-American community, but in a lot of communities as well. But he goes into it a little uh, deeper. And, and I can tell you this, Mario, and listeners, you know, listen up for this, is the, the thought process by some African-American parents, and, and Eric Dyson talks about it in this article, is the fact that the reason we discipline our kids the way we discipline them is to make sure that they don't go out into society and, and be, be an individual that's not productive, per se. And if I, if I discipline my kid now, that keeps the cops from putting my kid uh, in, in chains and bars, or more importantly, in the graveyard. So when Adrian Peterson said, well, you know what? This is the way I was raised. This is the way I was treated. So this is how, I, this is what I know. I'm not condoning it, but I know other individuals who have that same mindset. I too had to change my mindset to say, listen, this is a different time. This is a different era. I mean, I come from an era where we didn't have car seats. It wasn't about car seat safety. There, was a, there were not a lot of kids with autism, but now there's social media. Everyone has a voice. Everyone has a platform, and you have to be careful. So these these things we used to do before used to be considered barbaric, and I mean you can't do that now. And and I don't know about you, and how you know you were reprimanded by your family, but 
I don't know. You can't. You just can't do this. That's the thing, Nick. It all it all comes down to perception and how you were raised. You were different from how I was raised, and you know the people listening. They were raised different than that I was raised, and then when you were raised. So not to condone anything, and not to say that I think it's okay. But everybody's going to have a different opinion on this. There were some people that were brought up and, you know, kids got spanked or they got whooped or they got the belt or whatever. And then there were some kids that grew up and it was just rainbows and lollipops, man. This whole thing with Jonathan Dwyer, it wasn't even about discipline. This dude, he just kind of lost his mind. His wife uh, turned him away from sexual advances, according to the report. And, you know, he locked himself in the closet. The police came. So I don't know why it didn't come out, Nick. I mean, the police went, he hid, and his wife said he wasn't there because he threatened to kill himself. You know, and then he, he hit her across the face after he headbutted her. And then he threw a shoe at his 17-month-old son. So this kid's a year and a half, probably can't even really walk, Nick. So, how? I mean, it's not discipline to that point. So now, I mean, it's going to be done. Why don't we compare what Adrian Peterson did to what Jonathan Dwyer did? And, and not to, like, put it on a scale to say who did what worse. But, I mean, Adrian Peterson, if it, and his mom came out. Nick, I don't know if you saw this. Adrian Peterson's mom came out and said it was from a place of love, not violence. He did it because he loved him. And, you know, maybe we don't understand because we were brought up differently. You know, my... You know my father, and he would never lay hands on me. But you know what? I was a good kid, believe it or not. I behaved because I was just scared that he would whoop me. You know what I'm saying? So I don't agree with this, but there are a lot of players out there, Nick, that are saying, you know what? That's how we were raised, and it's not out of the ordinary. It all depends on the demographic that you're talking to. But now this Jonathan Dwyer situation that just surfaced, again, to answer your question, I have no idea why now, you know, when it happened back in July. But what he did, where he threw a shoe at his 17-month-old son, and he hit his wife, and he headbutted her, he needs to be taken out of the NFL as well. That's all I got on this. Well, after the break, we're going to continue this discussion and get into some other things. Uh, there's some uh, Other than this turmoil that we were talking about right now that's happening in the NFL, there will be some games played this weekend, one starting tonight between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Atlanta Falcons. And then again, some big games. Week three in the NFL kicks off. We'll discuss those games. Denver Broncos go to Seattle. We talked to Jeff Hauser about that. You're listening to Nick Ferguson, Secondary Perspective. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Englehart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, 
you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine. From the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week, Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. You're listening to Secondary Perspective with Nick Ferguson. To get in the lineup for today's show, please call 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to nickferkshow at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. All right, we're back from the break, and that was exciting first segment. We have on the phone, we're joined by someone who covers the Denver Broncos, Jeff Hauser. You can find him at Radio Hauser on Twitter. Jeff, we just got into the whole thing about uh, domestic violence, uh, but I want to shift for just for, for a second. We'll get back to that, and i get your thoughts on it. Uh, recently, the NFL PA and the NFL agreed on a new drug policy. Now, the NFL PA is declaring a victory, a victory. And, and, and the players that I've spoken to, uh, they're not really calling it a victory because they would rather have long-term health care than a new drug policy. But here's the thing I, I pose to both you and, and Mario. What does this new drug policy really say moving forward for the players who were suspended and for the guys who are staying on a straight and narrow? Jeff, tell me what your thoughts. Uh, I had a couple takeaways from this new implemented drug policy, and I, I kind of funny um, a, a couple of them, uh, a couple instances that I, I thought were just weird. Uh, I mean, we're now testing for HGH after how many years of players being suspected of taking HGH or anything that is a PED performance enhancing drug, but now we're going to start testing for them at the end of this month. But then anything that now comes uh, about if you uh, if you're tested for a performance enhancing drug and you show up negative now that's there's no involvement between the player and the NFL there's now going to be a third party that comes in and will now segregate both sides and see this out for what it is but I, what I didn't understand is under under this new retroactive policy which I don't know how you can retroactively have a drug policy that you say, okay, we're, we're going to suspend three or four players, but then we're going to take away their suspensions effective uh, now. So I, I don't understand that. But the one thing that really stuck out to me, and I know you and I have talked about this off the air, is the marijuana nanogram uppage for the, for the NFL, which now we're saying before players could have 15 nanograms in their system when testing, if the player were to have up to 15 grams, they were, they were fine. Or 15 nanograms, excuse me, they'd be fine. Now it's bumped up to 35 nanograms of marijuana, which is more than double, which I think is just a complete shambles. I mean, for the NFL to say that they care about the future of what they are and they care about their brand, if they come out and say, you know what, we're going to allow guys to now more than double their use of marijuana of what's in their system. And, you know, by no means, I, I don't know what a nanogram is in terms of blood alcohol. I don't know how much that amounts to, and I don't know if there's anyone out there that can really give us a determination to say 
x equals y, you know, square root of whatever. There, there's no equation for it. But what I will say is the NFL is taking a, a really weird stance on now saying guys can go out and get high. And like, like you and I have talked about, these are players who now will say, well, shoot, if the NFL is going to allow it, I'm going to get my smoke on. I'm going to sit here and have a couple blunts and everything will be just fine. Where I think it's, it's really prohibiting the future of the league and what the example that it's setting for the children. In this you league. know what? But, but, but Jeff, this, when I look at it, and I, I definitely agree with that, it, it just seems as though, okay, well, both sides had their agendas. And when you look at negotiations for what they are, there has to be a win-win. What you're going to give up something, you're going to gain something. So it's like the PA say, well, if the owners want, want you know, historic HGH testing, which has never been done before in the NFL, we want to move the nanogram amount up from 15 to 35. And, and I thought, you know, for, for me, I thought the overall idea was to not promote drugs on, on, on any level. Now, you can say, well, is that the NFLPA acknowledging the fact that there are several guys that are abusing marijuana, but to me, to move it up from 15 to 35, it's like you're condoning it. Both sides are condoning it. Isn't that essential? Essentially what was happening? Oh, I think so, but I I think it's a bunch of BS. There should never be levies of a negotiation on either side. It should be cut and dry. You know, we don't have any drugs within our the professional organization, and even the bigger point that I had brought up with you, and that was now Workman's Cop, is the NFL creating a drug avenue for players to not claim Workman's Cop benefits? Because if a player tests for them being high, legally, Workman's Cop benefits go out the window for that player. And I'm wondering if now the NFL is saying, okay, well, we're going to have this player test and if he tests positive for anything now we can take away his work cost benefits now if he becomes injured it's it's just a big loophole i don't like it it's unprecedented that any employer especially the nfl as big as they are and what they represent it comes out and says it's okay for our guys to have marijuana in their system that's that's just ridiculous to me i think that it's it's a horrible precedence and even further, I think that the NFL has really taken a black eye, and this is just one thing that's been swept under the rug, and the media really haven't covered much of uh, in light of everything that has happened with the NFL and the uh, almost daily news breaks that come out about this player, that player, abuse, uh, whatever. There's, there's no light at the end of the tunnel for the NFL in this situation. Well, well you know, I, I hope there is you know, some light at the end of the tunnel. And I believe that uh, resides in education and putting the right uh, things in place so players can get a proper understanding of what's going on, how, how uh, marijuana actually affects their body because uh, this is big uh, situation. I'm just knowing that marijuana isn't that bad, you know? And, and, and I talked to someone uh, the other day and what they said to me was, well, uh, it was put here on earth. It's a plant for us to, to smoke it. I'm just like, no, not really. If that's your justification for it, then by all means, try to believe that. But 
No, it's illegal. If it's you can say, well, it's legal in Colorado, it's legal in Washington, it's legal in D.C., and some other states may make it legal as well. But you, as an NFL player, cannot smoke that. You are held to a higher standard than Joe the Millman. You can't you can't smoke it. And to once again to say that you move it up from 15 nanograms to 35, it's okay. Now we can put guys in a substance abuse program, to me, no way. I think it should be no drugs, no Adderall, no amphetamines, period. Well, Nick, here's, here's my take on it real quick. And actually, on my show here in Denver, uh, Mile High Sports Radio, talked to Nate Jackson. Who I, I, you guys played together for a little bit, didn't you? Yes, of course. In Nate's uh, book, Slow Getting Up, which is I, I highly recommend it's probably the best uh, NFL account from a former player, like book written. You got to check it out. Slow getting up, but in that book, you know, he talks about his struggles. And here's a guy who, any time that he got completely healthy, Nick, he was ready to take the field. He's ready to take that next step in the NFL. He got hurt, whether it was a separated shoulder or a torn ACL or a, you know something happened to his ankle or whatever. It's all in the book. He said the only thing that would help him sleep at night, the only thing that would get rid of the ringing in his head. Uh, would be to smoke weed. And you know, the line of work that I'm in, I have the pleasure and the honor of taking care of some of the players, Nick. And we have had guys come in there that say, you know what, from time to time, I will smoke weed, not just to get high, not to get a buzz. But when I'm in a lot of pain, and I don't want to take Advil, and I don't want to take a blood thinner, I don't want to do anything else. I will smoke weed, and that helps the pain go away. So here's the thing. I'm just trying to be, you know, unbiased third party, give you every sort of perspective, a secondary perspective, if you will. I don't want to judge someone if they feel like they need weed in order to function. I don't. I'm fine. You know, I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't condone I don't condone weed use, man. Okay. Don't give me that diplomatic. But listen, but listen, Nick. I have heard from so many other Active and inactive players, you know, guys that played and retired and guys that are in the league right now. If they're telling me that the only way that they can sleep at night, the only way to get rid of this pain is to light one up every now and again, I'm not going to judge them. Again, I have never smoked weed. I don't condone it. I don't think it's smart. And I'm embarrassed, frankly, to live in Colorado where you, as you said, it is legal. But at the same time, if smoking weed will help prevent a junior Seau situation in the future, that I'm all for it. And that's my the two only, cents. Mario, the only, the only problem with that is it's not going to because it, they call it dope for a reason. It creates a psychosis within your head, and when you smoke so much of it, you become brain dead. We all know that one person in our lives that has smoked way too much weed, and they, they have that little ha-ha-ha-ha-ha uh, to them. And it's, it's not cool. It's not, it's not really fashionable. It's just downright despicable. I think that... For the NFL to be a business and create, and especially a nonprofit organization, and get the tax breaks that they do, and now say, okay, it's okay for our players to smoke weed and we're going to allow it. That's just complete nonsense. Well, fellas, I'm going to switch the subject a little bit. We got some uh, big games this weekend uh, slated, and no one other than the Denver Broncos in Seattle. I mean, how, how we transition from Denver, Seattle, marijuana to the big game. This is a First time, I think this is the sixth time in NFL history that a team that faced one another in the Super Bowl will face each other in the regular season. Now, I mean, I don't know how you guys have this, you know, shaken out. When I look at these two teams side by side, 
you know, neither team has been that great in the third quarter. The Denver Broncos and uh, the two games against the Colts in Kansas City, they've scored no points in the third quarter and a total of 10 points in the fourth quarter. And Seattle's been great in the fourth quarter themselves. But once again, Jeff, you might not like it. Mario might not like it. And the, and the listeners, Broncos fans might not like it, but I'm going to keep it real. When you talk about a team that can't score in the second half and then you're going up to Seattle with the 12th man, that crowd noise, and say what you want to say about the fact that San Diego beat Seattle last week at home, I'm still going with Seattle because you can call it a a quarterback-driven league, but defense still wins championships. So I have Seattle winning this one at home. All right, I guess I'll take it from here. Uh, You're right, Nick. I didn't like what you said, and I'm going to disagree with you because I'm a Broncos fan, and I'm proud of it. And even though I might not think they're going to win this game, I'm going to tell you why (laughs) they will. Who is better between Antonio Gates and Julius Thomas? Right now, Julius Thomas, thank you. Moving on. Who is better, Peyton Manning or Phillip Rivers? Peyton Manning, thank you. Moving on. Who has a better offensive line, the Denver Broncos? Thank you. Moving on. And you know what? For as bad as the Broncos have been on third down, the Seattle Seahawks, if you look it up, have actually been worse. I understand this could be a lot different. They are a completely different team on the road Compared to what they are at home, talking, of course, about the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, they're going to be upset. They're going to be all riled up because they just lost to the Chargers, a team that, frankly, they shouldn't have lost to. Not only did they lose, gentlemen, frankly, they were embarrassed. And you know what? I don't see this as the same kind of team. Yeah, they routed the Green Bay Packers in week one. Green Bay Packers should be 0-2. They almost lost to the New York Jets, who are a very mediocre team. Again, sorry, Nick, but we're looking at this game. You can't tell me that the Broncos were not looking ahead to the Seattle Seahawks game. They're playing against the Kansas City Chiefs. The Kansas City Chiefs had their you-know-what's handed to them in week one by the Tennessee Titans, who are no good whatsoever. There's no way that the Broncos are only seven points better than the Kansas City Chiefs. There's no way they are only a goal line stand better than the Chiefs. It is human nature to look forward to a team that beat you 43-8 to just a couple months ago in front of every single football fan in the country, in the world. And every single time that there has been a team that has beat the Broncos, that has embarrassed the Broncos, Peyton Manning has come back and won. When the Ravens beat him in the playoffs next year, week one, Peyton Manning came out, dominated that team. What happened when the Colts beat him last year during the regular season? Boom, came out and beat him. Last year, Patriots beat them in the regular season. They came back, beat them in the playoffs. Same thing with the Chargers. This is a team of redemption. Every time something bad happens to them, they step up, they get the job done. Denver goes into Seattle. They're going to be one and two. The Seahawks lose to the Broncos. All right, after that rant, you get a, oh, you could, Jeff. Now, you give me your take on what's going to happen this week, Seattle-Denver. Well, as much as Mario wants to talk about the Kansas City Chiefs being lowly, they were still a playoff team last year, and so was the Colts. And the Broncos struggled against both teams, especially both both games at home. We're not talking about the Broncos on the road. We're talking about the Broncos at home. They struggled. And uh, you know what? I, I cover the Broncos. I think they're a great organization, but I don't think they're going to go to Seattle and win based upon – them getting picked apart in the Super Bowl so easy, and the defense knowing where Peyton Manning was going to throw all game long, and be pretty much being 
that Achilles heel for the Broncos, the, the, we, we can't expect the Broncos to go in, into Seattle and have any type of different result than what was in the Super Bowl. Now, with that being said, do I think the Broncos are going to be competitive more than they were in the Super Bowl? Yes. And do I think that they are going to come away with knowing where they stand in the league? Yes. But I don't think they're going to come away with a win, especially against a Seattle team who got punched in the mouth last week against uh, San Diego. And San Diego, of course, is a good team. And they, they were a playoff team last year. So when you, when you look at the big picture here, Nothing's changed since last year. In fact, the Broncos' defense has gotten a little bit worse, I would say. Even with all the additions, they still can't stop uh, the run. They got rid of Kevin Bickerson, who was their run-stop specialist, and now that's gone out the window. Now uh, teams are having to throw against the Broncos in the third and fourth quarter, and the Broncos go into cover two and prevent and can't do anything to prevent them from getting drive and scored on. Well, there it is from Jeff Hauser, Mario Batanzi, and his rant. And myself, as far as who is going to win that game. Coming up after the break, we'll get maybe Chris Young, former Denver Bronco, his take. And Jessica Kleinsmith joins us, host of Fantasy Sports Live and Pro Football Central, to give her female perspective on this whole thing surrounding the NFL. You're listening to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective. We'll be back. Don't change that dial. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. Leave the bitch's ass and then move on. I just, I just think that the coach made a mistake. Oh, crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter. Formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams, Kwame's got the experience. So he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. Get ready for an unpredictable, fun, and sometimes sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to Secondary Perspective with Nick Ferguson. To get in the lineup for today's show, please call 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to nickfergshow at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. One hand in the air, if you don't really care. Two hands in the air, if you don't 
like that sometimes. I'm being ridiculous. It's like that sometimes. Ridiculous. You know what? I jumped the gun on on the introduction of the real talk segment because what Mario was saying last segment was really ridiculous. Whoa, whoa, uh, to, whoa, whoa, to, to the, to the whoa, point of oh Nick, <laughs> man, you know why? Because think Friends, about what you, bro, you are a little spicy right now. You no, need to tone it down. Think about what you said. You said, but it's, well, but it's ridiculous. Everything that I said was truth. No, 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 no. Even see, even with what you said, you really didn't believe yourself because you said, well, no, here's, well, here's what happened, Nick. See, at first, like before I started the rant, I was like, oh, I, I don't, I don't know. Uh, uh, how this is going to go. I mean, here's the thing with my rants, Nick. I never plan them. They just kind of pour out of me. I give you my heart and my soul, Mr. Ferg, every Thursday at this time. I just pour myself into this segment. And that's what happens, man. At first, you know, I'm, I'm scared a little bit, okay? Because I know what happened to the Super Bowl. I'm not stupid. I wish I had one of the little neuralizers from Men in Black. Oh, wait, that never happened? Good. But that's not the case. But as I started talking about it, Nick, I started spouting these truths. I'm, I'm, I'm a lyrical genius, Nick. I don't know if you know this, but as I'm talking, I convince myself what that the do? Broncos are going to win this game. So I went from <laughs> on defense to on the Broncos side 100%. Well, don't go all eight miles. For the listeners. Hey, listen, don't go all eight mile on me right now, but I tell you what, we're going to bring in another guy, former Denver Bronco and Georgia Tech alum, uh, lives in Denver, Colorado, Chris Young. Chris, thanks for joining the program. Oh, thanks for having me, man. All right, Chris. You know, uh, let's talk about it. Uh, a former Georgia Tech guy is in the spotlight now, finding himself part of this whole domestic violence situation of Jonathan Dwyer. And this look at Adrian Peterson and the altercation or the, the accusation of him and child abuse. Now, you and I had a chance to talk about this briefly. When you look at child abuse, and you in particular, that means uh, – how does this current situation with, with Agent Peterson might be similar to what you went through as a child? You know, Nick, it, it's crazy how, how the media has changed stuff so much, man, because when we were, when I was growing up, if I did something wrong, I had to go pick my own switch. And if it was too little, I had to go get a bigger one. And, if that, and then if I, if there were no switches involved, I had to go the closest thing to my mom, I was going to get hit with. So that's the wow. media. That's crazy, Chris, because you have a young daughter yourself, right? Yes, I do. So, so when you look at ways of disciplining her, is it anything similar to what you went through yourself? Yeah, it is. You know, I, the thing is, Nick, you have to be careful now. Like, you can't do the things that, that were done to us. Like, you know what I mean? You have to really talk. You have to talk through it. Like, you can't, you can't hit them. You can't do any of that stuff because you don't end up losing your child. So... Like, the biggest thing is you just have to, I guess you got to use the timeout. Timeout. How often do you use timeout with your daughter? <laughs> I don't use it, Nick. I don't use it. So, <laughs> I'll make her go to her room. I don't use that timeout stuff. So, so when you look out. at everything that's happening with the league uh, as a whole, as a former player, uh, what does that make you feel about the whole idea that the league is too big to fail, and we can just kind of brush anything off or brush anything on the road. How does that make you feel as a former player? You know, it's sad, man, because, like, you're hiding too much stuff. Like, a lot of stuff need to come out. Like, instead of sweeping on the rug, like, talk about it. Have more, have more situations like that during the combine. Like, uh, what is it called? 
I forget the is name. It, when you go away, what's it called? The, Nick? Uh, the, the Ricky Symposium. The Symposium. Yeah, like they they never had anything about abuse on that stuff. You know what I mean? They never had. It was always um, not child abuse. I think it was more domestic violence type of stuff. But it was never about child abuse. Now Adrian has grown up like how he's known getting whooping and whatnot, and Emily's doing it to his kid. Now he's risking his job. So like that type of stuff. There has to be a, a double standard. So what do you feel really quickly? Uh, the league could do to help players with these types of situations? Man, the biggest thing is, uh, you know, like Nick, as being an athlete, man, you're accountable for your own actions, man. Like, if you think you're going to do something that's going to get yourself in trouble, there's, like, we've always known how to walk away. You just got to walk away from a lot of situations because if the media gets a hold of it, you can't hide it. Like, I mean, you, you definitely can't hide it because it's always out there. Big Brother is always watching, regardless where you're at. Now we got about 10 seconds left, Chris. You know, big game this weekend, Denver Broncos, Seattle. What do you feel is going to take place in Seattle this weekend? You know, Nick, uh, if they play soft, if the Denver Broncos play soft, they're going to get an L. But if they come ready to play and the receivers are playing tough and everybody's not being a punk, then the Broncos will win. Well, there it is. Chris Young, former safety for the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets and Denver Broncos. You can find follow Chris on Instagram at ChrisYoung33. Chris, we're going to have to have you on the program next week to recap this Georgia Tech-Virginia Tech game that's taking place on Saturday. Definitely will. All right, Chris. Now, joining us now, someone is host of Fantasy Sports Live and Pro Football Central, and she's a writer for Sportable NFL, Jessica Kleinsmith joins the program. Jessica, thank you for joining us today. Thanks. Thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. All right, Jessica. So I want to get into it right now. Uh, we've, uh-huh. we've heard so, from so many different people, uh, and, and most of those being male in the industry, about this whole situation with Ray Rice and what's going on with Adrian Peterson. And we know that the NFL has put four women, four women crew together for to figure out this domestic violence policy. As a woman that covers the sport, what was your first thoughts when you heard about this whole Ray Rice situation? Well, first of all, I was born in Baltimore. I'm a huge Baltimore Ravens fan, so it was it was really tough to hear. I, I try to give somebody the benefit of the doubt. But, I mean, being a female in this industry is difficult in and of itself. There's a lot of stereotypes, and most of them, believe it or not, are true. Um, but when I first heard about what happened with Ray Rice, I mean, I, was, I thought the NFL, how they, quote, punished him, was done very poorly. And it was very slow and took forever. And, I mean, you take what actually happened out of the situation, it was, very, it was done very sloppily. Back in February was when he was arrested. And, you know, the two-game suspension thing happened, and, People, the media, were comparing that to, you know, when Josh Gordon, you know, he got suspended for the whole season at the time, Lane Johnson, for four games for his PED use, so on and so forth. So the comparisons to what he did, you know, compared to marijuana use, so that was an issue as well. Um, to me personally, I, you know, I don't think you should ever put your hands on a woman, period. I don't care what the scenario is. Um, but I still gave him the benefit of the doubt. I didn't see any, any footage, so it was kind of that type of scenario because you are in the spotlight when you are a professional athlete, a celebrity, what have you. I think you have to be on your best behavior no matter what. And, you know, I think even before seeing that video, 
he should have been in trouble from the get go. And being a female myself, I, I couldn't imagine, you know, you know, and his wife, you know, Janae, the way she reacted was, was pretty scary as well. You don't really know what happens behind closed doors when you actually physically see it, you know, compared to the Ray McDonald thing. I mean, you, and, and Dwyer and stuff, and you hear the 911 tapes, you hear it, but to actually physically see it, it takes a, it's a whole nother ball game. It was scary. I mean, the media was involved and, you know, a lot of people were kind of people that weren't involved in sports got involved. And I understand that, but it, it kind of breaks down to, you know, the punishment was BS from the get-go. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, well, just kidding. We're going to release them all together. So it was done very sloppily. So, so it's just, so, yeah. So, so, moving, so moving forward, as a female that covers a game, that watches the game, that loves the game, Mm-hmm. What do you expect or what would you like to see the league implement moving forward as far as a firm domestic violence policy? I mean, as far as the policy, I mean, I think it's it's the exact same scenario when it happens with any other, you know, situation. If it was a job, you know, like a normal job, a normal nine to five, and you and the same scenario happened. I mean, I don't know what the implications would be, but domestic violence, you go to jail. Ray Rice should have gone to jail. He shouldn't have just been paying a fine and what have you. When this happens again, I think the same scenario should happen. I think it's also up to the team. Like what the Ravens did, you know, Goodell wasn't really moving, so the Ravens kind of had to step up to the plate and say, all right, well, you're done for the season. But the thing that is, is like once the scenario happens, you know, Ray Rice was suspended indefinitely and same scenario should happen. It, it couldn't, you can't just have one person have the scenario happen to him. Ray Rice, unfortunately was the guinea pig, you know, in the past when all this stuff was happening, now all these things are resurfacing. So I think they have to kind of stick to their guns. You know, I mean, I don't know if it's just the Raven scenario or who the commissioner scenario. Once somebody is suspended for the whole season, it kind of needs to stay that way. They can't just pit, you know, nitpick at it and what have you. I think that's kind of, you know, inappropriate if they just keep going back and forth between the punishment. Once, you know, you do something and, you know, you're suspended for one guy, it needs to be the same punishment for every single person. Right, Jessica, you were saying, like, after you saw the video of Ray Rice, obviously it was very scary, but, you know, after we see the video, it's almost like when they increased his punishment, it's like they didn't believe him the first time around. Like, they're just giving him a slap on the wrist. So now that all this other stuff is surfacing with McDonald and Hardy and now Dwyer, I mean, is it going to be one of these situations where if we see a video, then it'll suddenly make their punishments worse? I mean, if we're assuming that the police report is correct, and obviously we are, then from what Dwyer did, from what McDonald did and what Hardy did, their punishment needs to be as severe, if not more so, than Ray Rice's. Am I right, or is that a little out of line? I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. I think, um, you know, when, when even there was, you know, the police report happened, that should have been punishment in and of itself. Like, okay, there's, there's probably, there's physical evidence on her. Obviously we're arrested. And even with or without the video, the moment it goes on, like I said, I believe in giving somebody the benefit of the doubt. You know, I didn't see, and even before the video came out, I gave them the benefit of the doubt, but there was a police report for it. You know, I'm a firm believer in evidence and, and so on and so forth. But I totally agree with you with or without the video, it happened. Same with McDonald, same with Dwyer, all this other stuff. And then I think all these things are resurfacing. And I think it's, you know, kind of unfortunate because 
now it makes the NFL look even worse. And he's, you know, Goodell or whoever is kind of like, well, crap, well, now we have to get everybody in trouble. But I 100% agree with you. We don't need a video to prove that what he did was bad and so on and so forth. And I think um, Jamal Hill from the beginning was like, well, we didn't see a video, but now that we have, it's bad. And I totally agreed with her. And that's what disgusted me is, okay, we saw a video. Now we're mad. We should have been pissed off at the beginning. Exactly. That's what ultimately broke my heart, especially, you know, I mean, I don't, you know, I'm obviously anti, you know, violence when it comes to anyone, especially a domestic partner. But the fact that it was like, oh, well, we didn't see a video, so we're just going to brush it underneath the rug. You know, McDonald, there was no video. Dwyer, there's no video. But it's okay, you know. But now that we have Ray Rice video, it's like all of a sudden it's so bad. But what it was okay before, and that's that's what I think a lot of it is stemmed from. So I 100% agree with you. Well, Jessica, we got about 30, 30 seconds remaining. There's a lot of 0-2 teams that are trying to get their first win this weekend and starting tonight at Tampa Bay at Atlanta. Who do you think all those teams could end up getting their first win or continue another week of a drought of that winless spell? Well, all I know is it's kind of, I mean, it'll be weird if after this week, the Cleveland Browns were still undefeated and that's something I'm still trying to (laughs) grasp. Same with um, the New Orleans Saints. The opposite. They're 0-2. Like, I can't... It's kind of weird. I mean, it's... Gotta love the idea of sports, but at the same time, you know, you go into it, you think a Super Bowl thing's gonna happen, and it's not. This has to be a turnaround week. It's week three. They're past the first game scariness, and second... I mean, there's been a lot of injuries over the second week, don't get me wrong, but third week it's time to get yourself together there there shouldn't be any oh and three teams at the end of this week there better not be it's just one of those weird seasons but you never know well i can tell you this first and foremost you have two oh and two teams playing one another that's indy at the jags and coming out of the game out of sunday someone's going to be oh and three and someone's going to be one and two so so we we definitely that's a spot-on analysis nick yeah (laughs) <laughs> Spot on analysis, but it, it, it is That's true. what we got Fergie Ferg here for. I, I'm, I'm just telling you, someone's going to be saddened this weekend, and I could go on right there right now. I'm going to go with the Colts to win that game over the Jags so they get their uh, first win. The New York football Giants are at home against the Houston Texans, and they're 0-2. Have, they've had a lot of problems with uh, getting this system down from Ben McAdoo. They should have won the game uh, last week against Arizona, but turnovers, turnovers, turnovers. I don't know if the Giants get that win at at home. And then the Lofu Oakland Raiders travel to New England. And and I I don't think – sorry, Dennis Allen. I know you're former Denver Broncos coach, but – You're not that sorry. Yeah. (laughs) Not as sorry as that team is, that's for sure. That is uh, left to uh, one's opinion, but I'll leave it there. Sorry. But I don't think they get their win in Kansas City. I believe they go down and they lose at home against Ryan Tannehill and the Miami Dolphins. And Tannehill is definitely struggling. Before we get out of here, I want to thank Jeff Hauser for joining the program. You can find him at Radio Hauser and Chris Young, former Denver Bronco, for joining us. And Jessica Kleinsmith for joining us to add some smooth voices. To the program. So we need some I, more of that. Yeah, we do definitely need more of that. Jessica, thank you. Thank you for joining the program, and you are welcome 
anytime you feel like it, you can follow her at JD. Let me see if I got that right, Samantha. That's JD. You can find follow her on Twitter. Once thank my guys in Arizona for keeping things running smoothly. They did one heck of a job today, Mario. And always do. Always do. And listen, parting words as always, it is Throwback Thursday. Please go out there, do something positive from someone that you don't even know. Keep the trend moving because we know the only way for good deeds or even men to continue to flourish is for good men to not do anything. But we are set on secondary perspective and changing that one ripple at a time. That's me, Nick Ferguson. You can follow me at Nick Ferguson underscore 25. Oh, and look out for those tweets. I'm going to send out something right now, some information that you guys should read. Until next week, we are gone. We're gone until next week, Mario. See you there. Thanks again for stopping by. Be sure to catch Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. in the West on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll share some more great stories next week. 